Welcome to Podcasting Stories, insights and interviews from people just like you, using podcasts to grow their business and share their message. Podcasting Stories is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Dave Spray. Welcome to the Podcasting Stories podcast. My name is David Spray, and today we're talking with Aaron and Atavi of Sapphire Partners in Seattle. In this episode, we learn more about her firm and how Aaron stumbled into this business three years ago. Aaron is also intrigued by the ways that a podcast could amplify the message and brand of the firm. We also talk about her podcast score and ways in which a podcast might be beneficial to the firm in different ways to justify the investment. If you've ever considered having your own podcast, this episode has a lot of great ideas on ways a podcast might be beneficial for you. And even if you're not interested in having a podcast, Erin's passion and sense of purpose in her business is an inspiration to any entrepreneur. Now, let's get to the show. Hi, Erin. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Dave. So, well, let's get started. So, tell me how you, tell me what your elevator statement is when people ask what your company does and what's it Sure. Well, we uh, we provide high-level executive assistance for uh, C-level executives, so primarily CEOs, but definitely along the lines of kind of this growing trend of chief of staff, of assistant, really high-level support. We like to drive productivity and efficiency and really help our CEOs make the most of their time. You know, they're as a CEO, your greatest asset and your most powerful currency is your time, right? You know, the the eight to 10 hours a day that you spend running your company. So if we're able to maximize that time for our leaders, then we help them become more successful. So that's what we really love to do. Oh, that is great. And now, is this something you wanted to do, like from the age of five, and you've worked on this your whole life? Or did this idea come <laughs> so, to you at a later point? So it came to me at a later point, but ironically, my name is Aaron Anatavi, which is E A. So I kind of was born. Oh. For <laughs> <laughs> I choose to read more into that. This is uh, this is my destiny. I've been an entrepreneur since I was fifteen. I was actually joking with a friend the other day about we were talking about you know real jobs and how many places you worked and when you were a teenager. And I was like, wow, you know, I've actually only held one like job where I was accountable to somebody else. And it was about four months of my life. And then I went straight into entrepreneurial endeavors. And uh, so I don't tell me, tell me, tell me about them. I always (laughs) love hearing those early entrepreneur stories. (laughs) Right. The the theory is that's the best time to be an entrepreneur because the, the cost of making mistakes is so low. Sure, it can be. It can be. I mean, they hurt pretty bad when you're. <laughs> but not like when you're 30 and you've got like a mortgage and right you know, no, family you know. and, and, yeah. and you don't have much margin for error. So tell me, what was the first? What was the first uh, venture? 
First, well, I mean, ever since I was 10, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur. He was a writer and speaker. My mom homeschooled my brother and I for many years, and I really wanted to go to public school and finally talked them into it right around seventh grade. But I was always looking for the thing that other people weren't doing. You know, I had a a little sewing company where I would do mending and fixing clothes and marketed that. And I mean, that was, you know, age 10 to 12 or so. But I was always looking for businesses. I was the lemonade stand, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what I could do. And when I was 16, I got a job rolling pretzels for a little pretzel company in the mall. And that when I got bored, I would like polish the shelves and clean the floors and quickly realized that, wait a minute, I can do more <laughs> than this. <laughs> and, and then got into a relationship with another fellow who was also an entrepreneur and jumped right in from there, you know, doing office management and administrative work at that point and ran that company for a little while and then sold it. And then I worked for the new owners for just a very short time and then launched into my next endeavor. And then just, yeah. Now, how old are you when you had your first successful exit? Uh, that was, so I was 16 when we started the one the company that uh, my, it was my future husband at that point. Yeah. And we ended up selling it. We would joke when we'd go into these high level meetings, Hey, just don't tell anybody how old you are because they're going <laughs> to <laughs> you like, you look like you can, you can pull off 22. So just don't, you know, don't tell them you're actually 16. Okay. <laughs> so. So we did that for a while. I was actually really relieved when I finally did hit 2021. I was like, man, okay, now I now I don't take have it seriously to. now. Right? It was like I need some gray hair here so people actually <laughs> do take me seriously. <laughs> so how old were you then when you sold the business? Did you sell it when you were 16? Um, yep. So I was I remember that because that was a really fun, uh fun story. I was pregnant with my first firstborn son and we we were selling the company. So I was probably 20. Yeah, I was 20 at that point. And he was born the day that we were going to sign papers. Surprised us three weeks early. And so I'm I'm in the hospital and I'm like, hey, I got to (laughs) go. You got something that you need to get done. They're like, you're three hours out of a childbirth. Like, really, though? I'm like, I'm going. I'll be back. (laughs) So they reluctantly let us check out. And and I showed up at this big company celebration, the ribbon cutting, the signing, the paperwork, like all of the things, you know, with baby three day or three hours old. <laughs> that is awesome. And I thought, so my mother was 20 when I was born. I was the firstborn. And nice. She shoveled the driveway a couple hours before she gave birth. And <laughs> when I'd asked her about it, she said, oh, it was just a light dusting. It wasn't like that. <laughs> But that's like this hearty Midwestern, you know, you know, kind of stock that my right. mom came from. So, but you may, that story may have topped my mother shoveling the driveway <laughs> two hours before she gave birth. So that yeah. is awesome. So back to the current company, the, that Sapphire part, Sapphire partners. Sapphire partners. Yes. Yep. Yep. And so what, when did you launch this venture and which venture number was this? Oh, goodness gracious. I think Roughly, this is you don't number five, five okay. or six, I think. 
Okay. Yeah, may, right, right around there. I mean, if you don't count the smaller ones that kind of exploded two months into trying them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, so this one was three years, three years ago, a uh, little over three years ago. And I really did not mean to start this company. It was an accident. Okay. Uh, it was, I was working as an executive assistant here in Seattle, and I went to this luncheon. And the way that I remember the story is probably not exactly how it happened, but it started out with somebody asking me if I did freelance executive assistance. And I thought, wait a minute, is that a real job? Like, could it, is that a real thing? Because if it is, I want to do that. <laughs> and, uh, so your so, answer is yes, I take it. Right? Yeah. So I started looking into what exactly was freelance executive assistance, and I couldn't really find anything on it. That wasn't like that. You have the trend of the virtual assistant and the outsourced assistant. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, I'm way higher level than that. That is not quite mm-hmm. what I'm doing. And so I started doing some part time, just out, just trying it, you know, like, can I do this freelance? And one referral led to another, which led to another. And all of a sudden I was at 40 hours a week and I'm like, oh man, I need help. And so that is where the company has grown. And now we are 17 EA strong. We're in eight countries and, and we have done it all on wow. referrals alone. So that is awesome. So do you still do any EA work yourself or do you do the management responsibilities? No, primarily just management. All of my business advisors are, Hey, Aaron, you got to work on the company, not in the company. Sure, uh, sure. So <laughs> I've had that one drilled into my head for many years in this endeavor and others. So yeah, so I'm trying to take that to heart this time and, and actually working on the company. Yeah. Got you. And I have a question that, but I think you've already answered it. So let me try to recap it. So I was going to ask you about what makes your company different from your competitors. And I think your answer was going to be, well, you're different than like a virtual uh, assistant or a part-time assistant that you all service is really at a higher level, more chief of staff type uh, caliber. And that's not just you, but that's all your people. Indeed, indeed. Our our people, the 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 people that are on my team, primarily have twenty years plus experience from another industry or another field. So I really focus on bringing in um, professionals who bring an element of experience with them that you just can't get with somebody who just graduated college. Yeah. Uh, now we do have some younger folks on the team. They are working. A couple of them have clients, but they are primarily our co-pilots while they learn what it means okay. to be an EA. And so they help with projects and they work a little bit on the back end. But I really love, so my my educational background is uh, psychology and uh, and like human services is where okay. I really wanted to, at some point in my life, I wanted to go into genetic research and kind of take it that direction if I had gone back to college and done the educational front, that was where I was going with it. Uh, it's like genetic psychology and biological psychology. I found really, okay, really interesting. interesting. Yeah. So during the process of growing the company, I when you're growing, you initially tap the people that are in your network, right? Sure. So the people in my network are those who had social work and had educational backgrounds in psychology and all of that. I accidentally discovered that 
burned out social workers make the most amazing EAs. Oh, wow. Right? Because we're already primed for high-stress, empathetic, people-based situations. And there is really very little difference in the human nature, right? Mm-hmm. Either either as a social worker, you are helping an individual become their best self. And in the business world, you're helping a CEO become their best self. And throughout this whole process, when you have that background in psychology and social work and human services, you are really driven to create the best life possible for the people that you're working with. And the perk of that is CEOs don't typically self-sabotage. So you'll run into that in the social work field. That's why people burn out is they'll try to put their heart and soul into it. And then the individual that you're helping, they just, they sabotage it and they can't get better, but you don't find that in the business world. So it is a mutually empowering relationship that just the sky is the limit. And that is, that's a very exciting thing when you can see that manifest over a relationship. It's really powerful. That is really, that is just really cool. It kind of reminds me. So I didn't get married till I was 37. I enjoyed being a bachelor and waiting for the right one to come along. And, but when I was single, I used to tell like my friends candidly, I said, I love dating divorced women. And they're like, really? What about like the baggage and emotional? And I go, no, here's the deal. Compared to their ex-husband, I'm a rock star. Like, <laughs> the bar is so low. Uh, nice. You know, like as long as I don't show up drunk to the date and make them pay and make them walk home, like as long as I don't do that, like I'm a rock star. So I imagine I would think the situation's a little bit similar coming from that to going into the business environment. It would seem to be a way uh, calmer, uh, less stressful gig. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Is that part of your is that part of your kind of pitch? <laughs> right. That you have all the skills, but we I have a better way for you to l- deliver your skills without all the disappointment and heartbreak. Exactly. No, that that is actually part of my yeah, if you want to come work for me, I'm like, hey, so here's the deal. This is why it's awesome. And yeah, so I think about half, maybe a little more than half of my team are they joke that that I run a, a social work rehoming facility. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta help them transition into, into right. Yeah. Yep. Halfway house, give like a halfway house. Exactly. <laughs> Saving social workers one at a time. But uh, now we do have, of course, we do have other professionals on the team. Um, people with admin backgrounds. There's when it comes to business leadership, there's really no leader that doesn't need assistance. When you are building a company, it doesn't matter if you are in uh, food service or film or uh, medicine or any of the fields, right? If you are leading a company, you need that person right next to you. You need that partner, that co-pilot, that uh, cheerleader to emphasize everything that you're doing on a daily basis. And so, of course, you know, I try to have a pretty good range of experience. So, yeah, I think (laughs) kind of lost my train of thought. But does that make sense? It absolutely does. Yeah. And I want to 
talk about something that that actually just popped into my head. Yeah, you know, I always have a script for these interviews, and then I invariably deviate. Is the, the rabbit trails are fun? <laughs> uh, they are. So there's a guy named Dan Sullivan who has a company called Strategic Coach, and it's a uh, entrepreneurial kind of coaching program. I've been in it ten years, and Dan has a theory that he said the way you're successful as an entrepreneur is to first identify who you want to be a hero to and then figure out how to become a hero to them. Mm, And that's that's really what drives you. And I can tell from my prior conversations with you in this call that you just have a real passion for what you do. And so my question is, so when you first started and it was just you, did that concept resonate? Did you feel like you were trying to be a hero to these people? And did you enjoy filling that heroic role? I, there may be a little bit of that, although during my progress through this path of leadership and this path of being an entrepreneur, there was a really consistent theme that always rose to the top. And that is you, the only way you become who you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're a teenager and you surround yourself with the, you know, the, the people in high school who are skipping class and doing all that, right. You're going to, you're right. going to perform at the level of your peers. Yeah. Um, and ever since I was, you know, I mean, 16, right. I'm in the same room as 40 some year old individuals who have achieved so many things. And so I constantly was looking to become better and to perform more efficiently and to really achieve just my greatest self. And through this process of discovery, that when I would talk to new clients and talk to new leaders, I get very invested in who they are as a person because they are brilliant and they are fascinating and they mm-hmm. are achieving their own set of dreams. So by engaging with them, it just, it creates this spice in the lives of this company and the culture that I'm building and the people that we are all becoming together that I think that's really where the passion comes from is just right. You know, you are learning so much about these individuals and when you're in a position to help them, you are helping them. They are helping you. Everybody's moving up. Mm -hmm. And that is, there's a sense of just really strong. I don't know. The word is not coming to me. Just empowerment. That is, it's hard to rival, right? It just, it's really amazing. Mm-hmm. That's I love that, and that's yeah. Thank you for because I I sensed that there was just this Im- immense passion with what around what you did, and so thank you for helping me understand that. Yeah, uh, yeah, it it is. I'm I'm very passionate about it, and I think it's just self perpetuating because we're, for each success, you're driven to do more. You're like, okay, cool, that worked. What else can we do? How else can we do this? Yeah. I remember one of my one of my favorite stories, and I, I've told it so many times. When I started working with one of my favorite executives, we had our meeting a, a week into our engagement, and I was like, "Okay, you know, how, tell me how's it going, how's it feel?" And he looked at the camera and he was like, "You know, I didn't have to apologize to a single person this week. He's like, I don't know how long it's been since I've experienced that." And just something that simple, you know, oh, I'm sorry I'm late. I'm sorry I didn't prepare this mm-hmm. document. I'm sorry mm-hmm. I didn't have this. That little tiny element 
that if you remove the need to apologize from an executive's life, think how empowering that feels. Think, wow. you know, you're not demeaning yourself. You are not lowering yourself. You're not compromising mm -hmm. that sense of energy and drive and just that rock star, right? I want to make all of my executives a rock star. Wow. And when you don't have to apologize, that's a whole other level of being, right? How did that make you feel when he told you that? Oh, that's, that's why I do what I do. That is the essence of the work that we do. And when I bring on uh, a new EA to the team, that's what we strive for. You know, we are striving to solve these pain points. We, when we do our initial engagement, we'll set up a baseline for the current scenario. You know, what does the situation look like right now? And what are our objectives over the next three to six months? What are some things, you know, if you look ahead, where do you want to be? And the, when we do the work that we do, it's not just task-based, right? It's strategic. It's um, future-based. Yeah, it's, it's chief of staff work. Exactly. So we start with these base of objectives and we constantly reassess. So a month in, two months in, three months in, we do our value checks where we're like, okay, hey, our baseline when we first started working is here. And this is what we're accomplishing. And this is what we're doing. And we really keep those priorities in check to make sure that we're constantly driving them and their company forward. Yeah. That's awesome. So what are the characteristics of the ideal client? Are there any other than like they, they're apologizing all the time? <laughs> right. Beyond that? stressed out CEOs who their ship is on fire. Um, <laughs> like, show me the skeletons in your closet, because if you don't, we can't help. No, we do the on-demand and as-needed executive support. We are primarily focused on part-time support. So yeah. the executives that we work with are either uh, they've just raised their seed fund or their series A or they're going into their series B and or they're bootstrapped and they've got a team of, you know, 14 to 30 employees. So we really focus on kind of the smaller businesses. Because, also, is that because, yeah. uh, you know, if it's uh, Exxon, they probably can afford to hire. Right. Person. Well, they and they need somebody full time. Right? Sure, they need somebody sure. in that office 40 hours a week, possibly two or three individuals in that office 40 mm -hmm. hours a week. So we really our niche uh -oh. is 10 to 30 hours a week of support. Now we can do full time. And there are we do have a handful of clients that we do full time support for. But our primary focus is that 10 to 30 hours a week. And we're kind of like the on off switch for admin support that if you are cutting the budget and you need to take a week off, you just the switch and we're like, okay, we'll just hang out in the background and wait for, you know, that opportunity to come back and we're there and we're ready for you when you need us. I also really love solopreneurs. So they are individual brilliant individuals who have, you know, their knowledge is their business, what they maintain, what they bring to their clients, their, just their brilliance, you know, whether they're speakers or authors, because they are the ones that are pushing 60 to 70 to 80 hours a week. And if we're able to alleviate some of that pressure off of their, you know, just the admin front, then it allows them to focus more on 
that knowledge-based business and empowering them to grow within, within you know, the service that they provide. So, yeah, so those are our favorite groups across yep. industries. We really, there isn't an industry that we aren't working with right now. That's awesome. Well, as we wrap up kind of this segment, if somebody's interested in learning more about your company services, how should they best reach out to you? Do you accept LinkedIn requests? Yeah, LinkedIn is great. Definitely enjoy that platform. Email is also good. We are, we're doing a full rebrand on our website, which is very exciting. And so right now our website is good. It's not as good as it is going to be here in about three weeks, but uh, yeah, our website, you can always reach out to us there. And and that's, and that's choose sapphire.com, right? Choose sapphire.com. Yeah. I opted to go with the the verb in there rather than just sapphire partners. I wanted to. I like it. That's a great great idea. And Mm -hmm. then if they want to email you, that's Aaron at choose sapphire. And that's Aaron E-R-Y-N. You got it. Yep. I got to throw the Y in there. Yes. Because. uh, Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And so I can uh, tell the listeners from the conversations I've had with Erin before, she really uh, is onto something with her niche. By the way, geographically, you mentioned multiple countries. So is there a geographical focus like in the U.S.? Do they need to be you know, in the, the Northwest or No, no, we have folks all over. Most of my EAs are based here in the US, but we are rapidly expanding into the EU. And we have we have team and clients over there who are ready to go. We also yeah are expanding into other areas. So yeah, offering service in multiple different languages, we're kind of expanding that front to make us uh, a little more proficient on there. Right now we can do French and Italian service. And I believe we do have an EA who is, yes, we can do Spanish as well. So that yeah. Is, we're, that, we're, is, that is awesome. And so for the listeners, I mean, I've, as I've gotten to know Erin, I really, I think you can hear her passion for what she does kind of through. So if you're a stressed out entrepreneur who's apologizing uh, regularly and you really would like somebody more at a chief of staff level, but you don't necessarily need someone full time, but, you know, kind of in that 10 to 30 hour week range on demand so when you go on vacation you can uh, turn off this bigot i would really suggest you reach out to Erin. she really has a great story and she just as you can hear on this show she just has a real passion for uh for helping their partner clients okay now to part two of the interview we had a conversation earlier about about your firm or you having a potential podcast so let's kind of switch gears to that what is it about having a podcast that seems intriguing to you? Sure. So the I've been noticing this trend where I have uh, a number of individuals asking for training and asking me to help their current EAs perform at the level that we bring our company at. And then I've also, you know, as we continue to expand our our staff, training and consistency is 
going to be forefront during our growth process. You know, right now I can do one-on-one training with each one of our team. I can do work sessions. I can really make sure that we are bringing the same level of service. But at 17 EAs, that's possible. You know, when I start getting up to 50, 60, you know, 200 EAs, you know, I ideally, you know, I'd love to grow this company to that point. Making sure that we bring that same level of service, regardless of size, is absolutely critical to what I'm doing. So building an educational platform, building a training platform, making sure that when I hire a new EA, I can say, hey, why don't you check out these podcasts? Why don't you check out our YouTube channel? Why don't you check out all of these resources, become familiar with it? And that will help build that foundation for what I expect in the culture of this company. That part is very appealing to me, and uh, and I'm very interested in exploring that further. Okay, so the if I hear you correctly, the kind of the primary initial drive for the podcast is as a training uh, platform, training. Yeah. Medium. Yeah. And then working with other very skilled EAs, whether they're on my team or not on different approaches to business, you know, how do you do email management? How do you do calendar management? What are some really good tools that are available on the market right now? We work with a lot of uh, beta tools. So companies that are testing, um, I love to work with companies that are in beta because we get in on the ground floor. And if they have an amazing tool, we bring it to all of our clients, right? If I find an amazing tool, I would love to interview the CEO of that beta company. Uh, You know, we're aligned with this company. We're bringing this tool to all of the clients that we work with. Let's talk about this tool and what it can do for productivity and what it can do for your business. And then if I have an executive who says, hey, here's a pain point that I'm working on. I can say, hey, you know what? Go check out this recording here. I did an interview with the CEO of this company for relationship management. I think this is going to be a really powerful tool for you. And then just utilizing that as a almost an encyclopedia for what high-level strategic executive support looks like. Okay. I I like it. I like it. Does the only my my only um thing that gives me pause is the the podcast platform that we feel strongly about is is audio only and i'm wondering if some of these training videos like as you're trying to grow your team if they would be more appropriate like maybe in the private youtube channel uh, i imagine both I imagine both would come into play. Yeah, there's, we're going to have a range of different tools. And uh, like you and I actually were talking about earlier, there's an element of distraction that comes with video. And if I'm really focusing on a particular pain point for business structure and business efficiency, I think that can be a very powerful medium in which I, which elements of training I would do as a, you know, with video or without video, depending on the emphasis and what I'm trying to bring and what I'm wanting to really emphasize during that session, right? Yep. I see. And so a way to summarize it is whichever medium that you utilize, your underlying goal and reason for doing it 
is to educate and train and share your knowledge and expertise with both uh, clients, potential clients, and your team. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And and then having multiple different platforms, right? Depending on the executives that we work with and the EAs that we're training, I think having a range of opportunity is good because you never know, you know, what is the most ideal platform for individuals you're working with. You know, we utilize a number of different, I like to call them recipes for executive support. And training is important to have those kinds of recipes too. You know, hey, if you're this kind, if you learn this way, or if you learn that way, this can be a good resource or that can be a good resource. So yeah, it's a very interesting concept and it's still new. You know, I'm still kind of it's in it, it's in its infancy, but I'm definitely getting more and more pressure from outside individuals like, hey, can you train? Can you do this? Can we do a work session here. How do we do this? And so because that's now a growing theme, it keeps kind of bit knocking on the door and okay, all right, it's, this is an opportunity that I need to take advantage of. Because if you think of it, if three or four people tell you or ask you about something, chances are, 10 others are thinking the same thing, but they don't have, right? So if I've got four or five people, I would say that's like maybe 10% of the individuals who would benefit from this that have the, that have actually spoken about it, right? So I think there's definitely some demand that, that I can grow into as I continue to build this company. Okay. That, yeah, and I love one of the questions I ask people considering a podcast is what the underlying reason is. Because if somebody's underlying reason is, oh, I want to build the top 50 podcast that I can you know, sell for $100 million like Joe Rogan did, then uh, that's probably not the right um, reason to do it. So I always it always resonates with me when people's reason is not to try to turn it into some money-making venture, but to use it as a vehicle to give and to serve and to help. So I think that's, I think that's great. So let's talk about a couple of questions on the scorecard. And so the scorecard is you know, designed in a pretty narrow focus. And so some of the ideas that you have may not perfectly fit with this, but I still think uh, that just on the surface that a podcast in general could be a really good uh, fit. And by the way, if somebody's listening and wants to look at the scorecard, it is at yourpodcastscore.com. There's eight questions. It takes, uh, how long did it take you, Aaron? Three to five minutes? Yeah, roughly about that. Okay. So let's just look at a couple of the questions that I think are really interesting. So one is, there's a question about lifetime value. And basically, there's different tiers, but the top tier is that the lifetime value of a client is more than 20000 And you answered that one. Uh, with the highest score. So I presume from that, that given how long you keep your clients, that the lifetime value is uh, well in excess of $20,000. Is that right? Yeah. When we bring on an executive, the goal now, albeit with the company being three years old, right? So this is definitely speaking for what I'm trying to build. But the goal is to carry that executive through retirement. You know, you will find CEOs who sell their companies or start another company or move into a different role. It's very common for their EA to go with them. And, uh, and they don't, you know, EAs don't typically stay at the company, they follow the CEO. And, uh, 
And that is what we're really trying to build. When I hire an EA, we don't hire for turnover, right? We don't really have turnover. This is a 10 to 20 year gig. And I really emphasize that in my executives and in also uh, the people that I hire. That's, uh, I think that's wonderful. And so the reason that lifetime value comes into play uh, is that to do a podcast a month for two years with our service costs about $20,000. And mm-hmm. so we, when we're talking to people who are considering a podcast, oftentimes they, they want to do it, but they, they feel like they need to be able you know, to make sure that it's a, a prudent financial decision. So if somebody's lifetime value of a, a client is $10, then it seems a little harder to justify spending $20,000. Like how many new clients would you have to pick up? But if the lifetime value is more than 20,000, then, you know, one question is, well, if you did this podcast for two years, once a month, do you, you know, if you got just one new client, then it would kind of pay for itself. So that's the reason for asking about that lifetime value. And did you have, did that yeah. make sense? Did you have any questions? Kind of the no, no, it does. It definitely makes sense. And I think that there's definitely some value there, um, especially if I'm using it as a training tool to even bring greater value for current executives. You know, if we are, if the podcast were to empower us to, you know, maybe bring additional value to that executive and what we're doing and some of the things that we can offer. Yeah. It's a very, it's all very interesting and I'm chewing on it. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell. So the other question that I want to get from the scorecard that I want to talk about, and it's really going to be the last one is around keeping in touch with your audience. And the idea is that we find a lot of companies, especially in professional services, we're kind of in the same boat I was in five years ago. And that was that you have this conundrum of, we all know that you want to touch your, your list uh, regularly, touch your contacts, but you don't want to be annoying and you want to be helpful and you may not know what to send. So we find that a lot of people, they just err to the side of under emailing their list because they'd rather air that way than aired being known as a pest. Mm-hmm. And it sounds based on the way you scored that. Uh, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you all may be in a similar situation. Could you kind of expand on, on that? Or is your, or did I misunderstand that? No, I think you totally nailed it. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely <laughs> one of the, one of the things that we do is uh, we do personality matching with our executives and our team to make sure that we get matches that do stand this test mm-hmm. of time. And one of those aspects of that is uh, we do the personality assessment on ourselves, And my processing technique is internal. <laughs> so all of this, like devoid of the camera, all of my wheels are turning. I've kind of got that, you know, the round thing. It's just like processing and thinking mm-hmm. about all of this stuff. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like the concept and, and I think that's spot on. Yeah. And so then the way the podcast then plays in with that is that, again, back to the, and although we have clients who do more frequently than monthly, we usually recommend our clients start with that just to not get mm-hmm. overwhelmed. But we just say, well, just think about it. If you know that all of your contacts are being touched once a month, 
with a helpful email that's just a couple paragraphs long, kind of summarizing the guest and some of the takeaways and inviting them to, to listen and learn. We find it's a great way to know, because what I find with my podcast is it's not about how many people listen to it because, you know, my listenerships, you know, I'm not going to, you know, sell millions of dollars of advertising. I can't tell you how many emails that go out where the recipient will respond and say, hey, I've been meaning to call you. you know, I've got a, cl- a potential client for you. Give me a call. And if I hadn't sent that email, they pro- they might not have reached out because they would have had to say, now, what's Dave's last name again? And then they'd have to go look it up. Then they'd have to go, you know, type in the email address. And then what do I want to say? But when they have that email and you're just top of mind, it's so easy for them to just hit reply and say, hey, I've been meaning to call you. Give me a call. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of it. It's relationship management. And yeah. that is that is a foundation that we build very heavily in the work that we do is, you know, you have a constellation of people and there are those who are closer in your circle and further in your circle. And you really, as an executive, you want to build out those relationships. You want to maintain connection with those people and you want to foster, you know, the seeds Mm -hmm. of growth with the individuals that you interact with, making sure that everyone feels that level of importance, that they feel that you are taking time out of your day to interact with them. And uh, yeah, relationship management is one of those things that as a CEO, we typically will back burner before other things. And Mm -hmm. it's really the most important, right? It really needs to be on the front. And by the time we come in and we're helping uh, a company, chances are relationship management has been backburnered. So this is one of those elements of relationship management, you know, staying connected with your circle, maintaining that, just that outreach and that touch and that hub is very, very important. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And speaking of that, the other thing that I've discovered that is so interesting from having a podcast, I've had clients on my podcast who I've known for 10 years, I've spent lots of hours with them golfing and dinner and yet when i had them on my podcast because of the format was you know 45 minutes to an hour focused solely on them the spotlight on them in a public setting it i learned stuff about them i didn't even know Mm -hmm. and i thought how could that be i've known them 10 years and the other thing that it does is that when you have somebody who's a client who's really a valuable a partner to you and you bring them on your podcast and you showcase their business and their entrepreneurial journey and it really and then you at the end of the interview when you publicly thank them for being such an amazing client it really just resonates in a special way like again even if nobody else ever hears the episode but they know that potentially 8 billion people can listen to it it really does it really takes the relationship to, to another level. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So as we, I can't believe how the time has, has flown by. (laughs) Did you have any questions for me, you know, as you're kind of exploring this idea that come to mind, because again, this is really designed to be like a live real time uh, consulting session with, uh, you know, a person who's perhaps interested in a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, that spinning wheel 
<laughs> is is going pretty strong. A lot of internal processing. I I love the concept. And since we first originally were talking, I've been just you know, each situation that arises, I'm like, hey, would this be a good opportunity for this? Well, maybe this would, well, maybe that would. And because I'm a problem solver, I, I'm always looking for that edge. I'm always looking for something that will differentiate the way that I'm doing business and how we can bring more value and what we can do as a company to, you know, continue to grow and continue to build this really amazing culture that we have with our team and our staff. So I think this is a a piece that fits into there. And yeah, just continuing to put the the things together, right? Uh, Sure. Well, and I get that you're, that you are still processing this whole thing. And obviously I'm available for, uh, you know, follow-up conversation offline as additional ideas come up. So yeah, certainly I'm, I'm excited. Yeah and, to- it's, yeah. And it's okay that you don't have a specific question for me today. Well, this has just been a absolute blast. Aaron. I have really enjoyed learning more about your story, your background. I didn't know uh, about all of your entrepreneurial ventures starting as a teenager and you just have a great story. And I just love the passion that you have that I think everybody in, in life wants to be to, to, to find a fit where their talents can be fully utilized and appreciated uh, because the satisfaction that, that can come from having a life that's that you really can help and make a difference is really special. And it really just comes through in your voice and your passion. And so I just want to congratulate you on your success. And I know it's just going to, to continue and I also want to thank you for taking an hour out of your day to be on the podcast. It, 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 it means more than you know. Yeah, oh, this is my pleasure. And it, you know, it also gives me an opportunity to solidify some of the aspects that, that are important to me and important to our company and important to everything that we're doing, right? Because by, by speaking it, you call it into action. You know, you, you create that energy and and it just helps to bring everything into focus so i I definitely appreciate the opportunity in return well that is awesome well if you have any other questions just you know let me know but with that let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast and really appreciate your time and that's aaron auntie and Anatomy. It sounds so simple when I, when I hear you say it. <laughs> no, you're uh, good. <laughs> with, with Sapphire uh, Partnership and Partners. Partnership. Partners. Yep, Sapphire Partners. Sapphire mm-hmm. Partners. Thank you very much, and I hope you have a great day, Aaron. Thank you so much, Dave. And there we have it, another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at www.podcastingstories.com. This podcast is brought to you by your podcast team. If you have ever considered having your own podcast, head over to www.yourpodcast.team to learn more about how they can help you. That's it for this episode. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time.